Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, humans have differences, right? You know, little preferences that shouldn't be a big deal but turn into huge compatibility hurdles for favorite sports teams, for example. Coke versus Pepsi, Colorado versus Colorado. So what about big differences like religion? How do you teach your kids about differences in religion? We're talking about it next, right after the news. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. The sentencing phase is underway at the court-martial of former Army intelligence analyst Bradley Manning. He faces up to 136 years in prison for releasing thousands of documents to the WikiLeaks website, but his lawyers have asked the judge to merge some of his convictions. Manning was convicted yesterday on 20 out of 22 charges. An eight-month-old baby girl in a stroller was killed yesterday when an out-of-control bus driver, who the police said was on the phone, slammed into several cars and two light poles. The bus driver was arrested on charges of reckless driving, using a cell phone while operating a vehicle, and death by auto. Facebook Incorporated shares increased 1.2% in morning trading today. That is the first time the shares have been worth more than the initial public offering. The stock is up by more than 50% since just last week. Facebook is currently number two in mobile ads, still well behind Google, but moving up. President Obama's national security team has been arguing today that its sweeping domestic surveillance powers need to be retained. The administration is facing unexpectedly harsh harsh opposition from both parties over the formerly secret program capable of listening in on the phone records of every American. In world news, Egyptian prosecutors have sent the top three leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood to trial for allegedly inciting the killing of protesters last month. The decision by Cairo officials is the latest move in a crackdown by authorities on the Islamist group following the July 3rd deposition of Mohamed Morsi in a military coup. And a Spanish court says the driver of a train that crashed last week, killing 79 people, has said he was talking on the phone to the train's ticket inspector just before the accident happened. According to the court statement, the driver went to the court on his own initiative today and told the judge that he'd been speaking with the inspector about which platform to take on arriving at the station. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to help you have a smarter life, maybe a little smarter love as well, stronger relationships. Welcome to the program. Today, we've got a topic, uh, a wonderful topic, I think. It's going to be interesting because here we sit at the broadcast uh, center. What do we call this? The BYU Broadcasting Building. Building. BYU Broadcasting Company Department. What are we? BYU Broadcasting. That's what we call ourselves. BYU Broadcasting. Now, if you don't know this, BYU is smack dab in the middle of the, of the LDS church. BYU is – are the Mormons. Hate to break your mind with that. You oversimplified it a little bit. I know. But everyone out there has heard of Mormons, and then most of you knew that BYU were also Mormons. And some of you don't even know that the Mormons also have another name called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So here we sit, you know, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yet, 
what we try to do is show you that there's good in the world. And the good in the world is not just in our church. The good in the world is not just in any church. The good in the world, we believe, it's everywhere. And we believe you can see it. So today on the show, we want to talk about religion. And we don't really want to talk about it in a way to just go proselytize about our church. What I wanted to do today is help us figure out why we have so much negative energy about each other's churches, for example. How come something that is so unifying as, you know, belief in uh, higher beings, how come that would be so divisive? And today on the show, we are going to be talking to an expert about how to manage the differences between our faiths and other people's faiths, our religion and other people's religion. And... um That's what I want to do is give you some real-life tools for how to hopefully be a little bit more tolerant of others. No need to start a war over religion. Apparently, that's happened before. Uh, Apparently, a few times over the history of man. And on the show today, we're going to try to give you some tools to get through that. Again, it's not going to be preachy. It, it also might blow a few minds that we're doing this from BYU, but I think if you actually understood uh, what happens at, at Brigham Young University, you might realize that this is probably more of what we do every day. Um, we believe very much that there's, there's good in all things, all religion, and in fact, here's a guy. So I'm sitting here many moons ago. How, how long ago? 40 years ago, 45 years ago. Man. You were negative two years old at that time, Matt. Yeah, that's bad. Not then. Um, it was 25 years ago. 25 years ago. I, I left Utah to go for go be a Mormon missionary. And I was called to go to um, Argentina. Cordoba. Cordoba is what I used to call it. Cordoba. Uh, Argentina. And I spent two years abroad learning Spanish in this beautiful country of Argentina. And while we were there, we did service. We taught people about our beliefs. We cleaned up dirty places and just did a lot of great work and service. But it it made me feel really good, not just about my God, but it also made me feel good about my own church, but it also made me feel good about Argentina. And I actually learned a ton about the Catholic religion. So let's fast forward a few months ago when the Catholic church gets a brand new pope. Boom. Who happens to be from Argentina. Boom. And the whole time I'm hearing that, I'm thinking, holy cow. I bet the people in Argentina were so proud. A, very strong Catholic presence, but B, very strong uh, kind of citizenry that believes in their in their just in the greatness of Argentina. So to have the leader of the Catholic faith be an Argentine, I felt a kinship. This little Mormon boy from Utah felt a kinship with the Pope, and um, I seriously love Pope Francis, and I think he's awesome. <laughs> And again, that's probably the last thing a bunch of Catholics want to hear. But this little Mormon boy thinks Pope Francis rocks. And that's pretty hip talk, I guess, but I should be more respectful. He's just, I think, amazing. And you know why? Because I see videos. A, I hear he's a Jesuit, which is, um, which is, which comes from the order of those that go and actually serve in the, in the trenches and get their hands dirty and serve, which I... So ultimately respect. 
Then there's just all these other things that you've probably heard Pope Francis say. And I believe we can all appreciate Pope Francis regardless of our faith. Here's a man who basically, um, using a scripture from Mark, the Gospel of Mark that everyone's heard in the Bible, uh, basically explained about the importance of all of us, um, even loving non-believers, atheists, all this stuff. This is basically what he said. This is from an article that came from the Huffington Post. He says, they complain, the Pope said in his homily, because they say, if he is not one of us, this is from the, the scriptures of the Gospel of Mark, if he is not one of us, he cannot do good. If he is not of our party, he cannot do good. And Jesus corrects them, do not hinder him. He says, let him do good. And Pope Francis basically explained about the fact that a lot of us are just way too intolerant. Because somebody isn't of our faith, we think they can't do good. And yet Christ, this leader we believe in, uh, basically says, look, don't get in his way. Just let him go do good. Anyway, that's a teaching of Pope Francis, Catholic, right? Mormon boy Matt here, LDS church guy, believe that's a killer, powerful, incredible lesson. Why can't I appreciate that? I don't have to be at odds with the Pope. I don't have to be. I can still find good there. And that is really the spirit of our show today. Um, but Father, somebody says, he, this person is not Catholic. He cannot do good. Yes, he can, the Pope says. The Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just the Catholic, Catholics, everyone. Father, the atheists, even the atheists, and the Pope says everyone. So even the atheists? Yeah, this is the topic of the show today. We've got to figure out a way that we can be different and still value the differences. There's still a lot of good that we can all find, and I think, in each other's religions. LDS, the Baptists, the Evangelicals, the Jehovah's Witnesses, there's good. The Buddhists, the, the Muslims, there's good. Can we find it? That is the topic of our show today. And uh, we're going to be bringing on an expert who's going to give us some wonderful examples and tools of how to manage these differences. But before we go there, we are going to bring on our crew, even the wonderful Merritt. Merritt, how are you? I'm doing well. I just went off on how much I love the Pope. I really like Pope Francis, too. Don't you so that love was okay. Him? He says some really awesome things. And the pictures of like him washing the feet of the prostitutes. Yeah. He and just, inner, I mean, just dirty. He's a very genuine person. Totally, he totally believes it, I and I it. respect that so much. Well, what was what was the first big news that we got about this new pope that he paid for his? Was it he showed up? Uh, yeah. he'd stayed at a hotel, and there's a photo somebody snapped with their cell phone of him holding his bag there at the counter, paying his. Yeah. And then he didn't wear all the, the vestments that they might normally wear. He wanted to keep the crucifix he's been wearing instead of one of the more ornate ones. He doesn't wear the— That, that was true the night he, they announced he yeah. was the pope, too, because a lot of times the pope comes to the balcony wearing yeah. some very ornate uh, vestments. The yeah. term. And he was very uh, dressed quite plainly, really. I love that. And he gets out of the car and messes up with security and goes and just touches and loves people. I mean, who can't appreciate that? But you know what? People can't. Seriously, we're gushing over the Pope. Who's, who's gushed over a Pope? 
I, uh, can I you am, think of one? I really, I, I, and I think, I don't know if it's the Argentine connection. I don't know. But I love the guy. And he, we can all enjoy his truth. And again, remember, this is coming from BYU Radio. It doesn't mean we believe everything the Pope believes, but I can certainly appreciate his spirit and what he wants to do. And I think all of us can do this. This isn't just, we're not just doing this for radio, I promise. Yeah. So here's a cool thing. At the end of that statement that you just read that Pope Francis said, say, but Father, what about the atheists? Yeah. He says everyone, even the atheists. So I went and did some research, and one of my favorite scholars is Alain de Botton, and he I is from Oxford, and he is a very he is atheist, and he is very solid in that. But he came out with this cool idea. He released a book called um, What Atheists Can Learn from Religion, and he oh, calls cool. it Atheism 2.0. <laughs> and he says... Um, You may not agree with religion, but at the end of the day, religions are so subtle, so complicated, so intelligent in so many ways that they're not fit to be abandoned to the religious alone. They're for all of us. Cool. So even this atheist says that we can learn from religion. It's a human thing, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it brings about good. And so he has this list of things that you can learn from religion, even if you're atheist. Cool. So he says education, um, repetition, how important repetition is to remembering yeah. things. Rituals. To, oh, I don't know if he yeah. said that. but He did say rituals. He said um, how to organize time. Their churches are really oh, good absolutely. at that. Oh, absolutely. How to speak well, respecting yeah. our bodies, um, respecting art and music and learning from those yeah. things. Um, here's a cool one I didn't think of. Organizational behavior. Oh, and yeah. And how it applies to companies. Because you got to lead groups. And, and... Yeah. And, it's all, and none of them were being paid. So no. in our churches, if you've ever been put over the bake cell at the yeah. church, <laughs> you have to figure out how to organize people that exactly. aren't being paid. He says travel, too, with pilgrimages. That's, I mean, totally. churches know how to get people organized into travel. And move. Um, yeah. How to spread ideas. And basically just how to learn really valuable life skills overall. Isn't that – and that's good. And And again, we can fight about our differences, I guess – but I also believe we have so much more in common than we have in difference. Then what, what we probably ought to start doing is looking into the, the, the things we have in common. Yeah. So going along with that, one of my favorite things that I've ever learned since coming to a university is Christer Stendhal. He was, um, he was a professor at the Harvard Divinity School, and he was Bishop of Stockholm in Sweden. Oh, wow. And so when I was taking some world religions classes, because I love learning about religions. It's just my hobby, so I guess. So the bishop... Bishop of Stockholm in Sweden. Of Stockholm. The, is What church is? The Church of Sweden. The Church of Sweden, okay. their national church. And um, in 1985, there was this whole kind of scuffle over some religious differences in Sweden. And he came out and he's had, he said, we need to all kind of step back and realize that we're all doing good. And so he has these three rules of how to understand other people's religions better. Cool. And they are. So number one, when trying to understand a religion, you should ask the adherents of the religion and not its enemies. Yeah. So in other word, word, if you wanted to learn about somebody, somebody who's Buddhist, you wouldn't go find somebody who doesn't believe the anti-Buddhist. Yeah, you wouldn't the go people to that them. Buddhists, you which, would go to it actively practicing Buddhist yeah. and ask them why they practice their faith. Well, interesting. Why? Yeah, that makes like so much sense. <laughs> it does. I know. But instead, we all <laughs> go to the person that's the anti. Yeah. And with all the negative energy. Here's one: compare best with best. So that's his second rule. You. You don't compare their best with the worst, yeah. or you don't compare your best right. with their worst, but you compare best with best. So the very best things that are happening in their religion, you compare that with the oh, things that are cool. happening in your religion. And the third, which is my favorite rule, is called leave room for holy envy. <laughs> 
And holy envy is the idea that you should be willing to recognize elements in other traditions and faiths and you elements that you admire and that you maybe wish could be more in your life, yeah. so ones that will inspire you to live better. Holy envy. Holy envy. Not instead of like, holy Batman. <laughs> no. Holy envy. But holy envy is so good there's good, good that we could all envy in every religion, in yeah. every faith. Let's let's practice this for a minute. I can what? some of my favorite things. I have, for example, I love um, Sikhism, which is a faith that is found mostly in India, but also all throughout the United States. They're pretty global, but it originated in India. Anyway, one of their um, biggest focuses in their in their faith is to serve other people, and in fact, in Amritsar in India, at their temple, they have this huge operation mm. where they will feed people and they provide free meals to over 50,000 people a day. And everything, the food, how it's prepared, the wash, the, washing the dishes, it's all done on a volunteer basis. So people. That's huge. Yeah. So all these so, volunteers go and. Yeah. They, so they just believe so strongly in the value of other people and serving other people that they do this. And so that's like, wow. I should do that more. That's I powerful. should serve other people more. I love that. I love the Muslim call to prayer that every day people will gather communally. Whatever they do, they'll stop doing it and they just go spend a time together to pray. I think that's mm – -hmm. I envy that. I mean I think that's a cool tradition. I also envy the evangelicals' uh, incredible music that they play in their yes in their one of mine I, even songs. It's in Anglican and Episcopal churches. I adore that service. Yeah. it is just beautiful. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I have a cute little son that's leaving uh, to go be an LDS missionary to Mexico, and I actually was afraid. I was so afraid because people can be so mean, and um, then. He before he um, got his call to Mexico, he went with a choir tour to D.C. where he went into the great African-American churches back there and sat through a service. So, again, a cute little Mormon boy from Utah sitting in the middle of this African-American congregation with the most incredible service. He says he says it was just it was just so stirring the spirit that he felt in this meeting. So I also envy that. Um, so when you think of that, my son feeling the peace of that while being a little Mormon boy in another faith's church, and then my fear of him going to Mexico, even though I love the Catholic Pope, it doesn't make sense. We have some really weird feelings and a lot of strange competitions around our faiths, our religion. We want to talk about it. What are the best ways that we can... Uh, tolerate and not even tolerate but like celebrate some of the differences the religious differences and not get caught up in our own little fighting that's what we're talking about on today's show we've got some great guests some wonderful topics when we come back we're going to give you a world religion quiz and then we're going to be bringing on our expert to walk us through some some tools to to change uh, and to celebrate the religions of others this is the matt townsend show we are coming to you from byu radio Imagine a city skyscraper that also filters pollution out of the air, turning it into biofuel. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. 
If you live in any big city, you occasionally see smog darken the sky. Two student architects in Chicago recently entered a design contest with a novel new building that actively cleans the air around it. The Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitats runs an annual design competition, and students from the Illinois Institute of Technology presented the Congress Gateway Project. Congress is a major downtown Chicago highway interchange with at least 18 converging on-ramps, off-ramps, and driving lanes. Over 77,000 cars go through it every day as they head into the loop or out to the suburbs. Two proposed towers would straddle the parkway with a bridge connecting them about halfway up their 50-odd floors. The towers also lean at an angle to the sun to improve their solar gain for the algae as well as improve views from neighboring skyscrapers. These towers were designed to funnel that car exhaust past external racks of algae, which would take the excess carbon dioxide and convert it into a biofuel for powering emissions-neutral automobiles, or even powering the building's own systems. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Get your business in the game and sponsor Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This just in. Skyboy has had to leave the building. Sky is on his way out because Sky has found himself a date. And uh, because of that, we're giving him time off. We're going to get him out of the building. We're going to clean him up and we're going to send him on a two hour journey to go on a date. Right, Skyboy? Yeah, that's what's happening. This, this is, is a weird. Big deal. This I is know. weird. We're so proud side. of you. Thanks. This is neat. Just so you know, we're behind you. Well, it's a, it's a date with a girl that I actually want to go on a date with. This is huge. I've been on dates She's recently. seen you in the band. She knows that you can play the harpsichord. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a sweet harpsichord solo the other day. <laughs> you ripped it? Yeah. I was playing in a classical piece with a concert at the Muse. So Wow. <laughs> Sounds exciting. So you're going to go on this date today. It's a two-hour drive. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah. Tomorrow you'll reach, you'll come and report. Actually, not tomorrow, but Monday we'll have your report. Yes. A report on the date. You yes. want to tell us just her first name or? Anna. Anna. Yes. She sounds beautiful. Her? Her? <laughs> Anna? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, good luck to you, brother. I know you wanted us to make a big deal out of that, which we've done. Okay, let's now get to our world religion quiz today on the show. We are talking about just the power of enjoying and understanding the religions worldwide. Our own Bryce Tobin has put together a, a quiz for all of us on world religion. The long and short of this quiz was that I took about 30 quizzes today, and the ones that I got wrong, I'm giving to you. Well, this isn't fair, quite nope. honestly. No, nope, it's perfectly fair. Well, but Merritt's <laughs> parents are way into this, and they teach world religion. Well, I'm kind of hoping that she'll get these wrong, too. So. Okay. Let's see. All right. Anyone can answer. Name the angel who delivered visions to Muhammad. That was Gabriel, right? Good call. All right. What does Quran mean? Um, Quran. The, the book. Okay, okay. Your choices are book, library, recitation, or record. Book. Recitation. Recitation, Matt. Got it. Okay. Name the three primary Hindu deities. Oh. Um, uh, Ganesh? No. Uh, no, no, no. That it's... was... Um, that's if you believe there are three deities. It's Shivna. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The one. They're all. Buzz. And then the other two are. 
Shiva, Brahma, and Vishnu. There yeah. we go. Lot, they use their Vs a lot. There's a lot of Vs. You know, whatever. I've Russian never has been a lot able of Vs. To pull the Vs off. No worries. No okay. worries. Okay, what does Buddha mean? At peace. Enlightened one. Ah, Buddha. That's pretty close. That makes sense. That was sense. okay. That, that was okay. Good. All right, where is it recorded, or where is Jesus recorded saying, I never said it would be easy, I only said it would be worth it? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> Trick question. You wanted to get that in there. That's actually one of my uh, favorite things that's that people in Mark. say. Like, that's actually, he never said that. <laughs> At least yeah. not as far as we know. What major religion has no major founder? Hmm. What major them. religion? Hindu. Good call. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah there's this. no, like, thought leader. No, no definitely not. Yeah. Not for Hinduism. All right. Describe the Aryan religion. Was it patriarchal or matriarchal? The Aryan, Aryan religion. religion. Like Zoroastrianism? Even earlier than that. Even earlier than that. Don't look at me. I guess, knowing what I know. I'm going to go matriarchal or you wouldn't be asking. Nope. Oh, yeah, it's patriarchal. I was going to say, yeah, say it's a little advanced in time. Yeah, for that's, <laughs> that's a little forward the, the thinking for that time of the world. Why don't you give us some questions that we could answer? Well, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. Okay. Other than Mary. How about this? How about this? In, in the Bhagavad Gita, uh-huh. um, what does Krishna counsel Arjuna to do? Uh, to work unselfishly for others, engage in nonviolent resistance, or go to war? Um, the Bhagavad Gita is... They do go to war, I believe, don't they? Going to war. Merritt's very good at this. Yeah. I thought I could throw you off with the whole Hinduism war <sighs> thing. Okay, here's another fun one. Where is it written that God helps those who help themselves? Where is that written? Which book? Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. <laughs> actually, actually, <laughs> Matt, you're pretty close. Uh, Aesop's Fables. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He used a lot of Aesop's Fables, Stephen. Uh, yeah. No religious texts say that. In fact, most of them say the opposite. No, say it again. It's uh, Aesop's Fables is what taught that. God helps those who, who help, help themselves. themselves. Interesting. Isn't that it? Because we would, a lot of people would just think, no, that's a religious concept. I'm like, oh, no, that's got to be in the Bible somewhere. Yeah, it's I'm actually not. Sure. It's I actually think not Ruth at all. said it. <laughs> she said a lot of things. That's not one of them. This is a hard test. Hey, that's the point. Okay? Religions are hard. Okay, which religion celebrates celebrates the Vesak? What is the Vesak, and what day did it occur in 2013? I'm going to go Hinduism. Nope. I'm just going to toss Taoism in there because we haven't mentioned it yet. Confucianism. No. no. I don't Buddhism. know this one. Buddhism. Okay. <gasps> okay. So what what's what's it celebrating? What's the word again? Vesak. Vesak. It's Buddha's birthday. I think. Oh, it's a ah, birthday. I was okay. going to say it probably involves food. I'm sure. I am sure. But it was May 24th. Wow. We missed it, guys. We didn't celebrate it. Well, I think I did. Okay. (laughs) But I didn't know. I mean, that day I probably overate severely. All right. Here's another another really obscure one. Which one of these was a preacher during the first Great Awakening? Was it Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, or Billy Graham? The first Great Awakening. First Great Awakening. I'm pretty sure Billy Graham wasn't around for the first Great Awakening. Okay, Okay, so who else? Charles Finney. Yeah. Charles Finney sounds familiar. Okay, and then there's Jonathan Edwards. I think Finney was a comedian. No. It was Jonathan Edwards. Sorry, guys. Uh, He didn't run for president. You got to... You got to catch up on your, uh, you know, Man. first great awakening. Your first great. When was the first grade. great awakening? Do I don't know? know. It just said first great awakening. I didn't even know what it was. Referring I think I to. missed the fifth. I'm grade assuming awakening. by the names. Yeah. This was like, you know, yeah. somewhere I, in the colonies during the late 1800s. I would assume it had to do more with the Reformation. 
think that was the first sure. renaissance for that. Was I'm going to go with I you say this, And some <laughs> history person's going to punch me if I'm wrong, but I have 1600s, I want to say. Sure, I don't know. Okay. Okay, <laughs> and last, where are the two centers for Jewish life today? Name the two tr- countries. The two centers, Israel. Two centers. Um, Israel's good call. Tel Aviv and Los Angeles. Eh, pretty, it's Israel and the United States. Yeah. So it's, really? Yeah, they yeah. have the biggest populations. Huh. Wow. I'm telling you. You toss New York in there, though. That's We're prob- learning. That's, that's, bigger that's than probably Los better, Angeles. you know. Yeah. We're learning. We're trying today to celebrate and understand how to manage the differences in religion. You don't have to hate them. You can learn from them. You don't have to get mad. We can just, you know, live the principles we're learning. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with uh, some real life experience. Kimberly Giles, life coach, is going to help us learn how to value the differences right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Listening to Highway 89 is like having a concert in your living room. You can hear the artist's music and their stories. Usually the beginning of a song will show up and hopefully get you excited enough to work on it, but there usually seems to be a section of the song that I get stuck on, whether it's a bridge or out of the chorus. Catch more music on Highway 89, weekday mornings at 7 Eastern, right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. An eight-month-old baby girl in a stroller was killed yesterday when an out-of-control bus driver, who police said was on the phone, slammed into several cars and two light poles. The bus driver was arrested on charges of reckless driving, using a cell phone while operating a vehicle, and death by auto. Shares of Facebook Incorporated increased 1.2% in morning trading today. That's the first time that the shares have been worth more than the initial public offering. The stock is up by more than 50% since just last week. Facebook is currently number two in mobile ads, which is still well behind Google, but it's moving up. President Obama's national security team has been arguing today that its sweeping domestic surveillance powers need to be retained. The administration is facing unexpectedly harsh opposition from both parties over the formerly secret program capable of listening in on the phone records of every American. Health officials in Iowa think they know the culprit behind the outbreak of an intestinal disease that has sickened 372 people nationwide, but they say they're not pointing any fingers just yet. The Iowa Department of Inspections and Appeals announced yesterday it believed the outbreak of cyclospora was linked to a prepackaged salad mix. In world news, Egyptian prosecutors have sent the top three leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood to trial for allegedly inciting the killing of protesters last month. The decision by Cairo officials is the latest move in a crackdown by authorities on the Islamist group following the July 3rd deposition of Mohamed Morsi in a military coup. And a Spanish court says the driver of a train that crashed last week, killing 79 people, has said he was talking by phone to the train's ticket inspector just before the accident happened. But he hung up before the train left the tracks. According to the court statement, the driver went to court of his own initiative today, and there's no word on if the inspector he was talking to was alive or is injured. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about uh, valuing, managing the differences, uh, especially the religious differences that we might have in our lives. We don't have to be enemies just because we have different uh, viewpoints, faith, um, point of views. So we've asked a, a wonderful friend and coach, Kimberly Giles, is joining us. Kimberly is the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular life coach, author, and speaker. She was named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America in 2010. She also has over 240 articles published in newspapers and magazines. And you can catch uh, any information that uh, you don't get on the show today, because we're not going to be able to get into all 240 articles. But oh, we can't. We, we can't. don't have that much time. No, sorry, Kim. We're very busy. <gasps> but we'll get. We'll probably get twenty of them in. But all you got to do is go to claritypointcoaching.com and you can uh, get access to some of her her materials and her coaching. There, Kim. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is really uh, religion should bring us all together. And that's the point behind it, right? isn't it? And it yet, should be unifying. It's so divisive, and it breaks us up and it tears us up. And probably where it, we, we, you know, you know, wars have been started over religion, but maybe where it might be impacting us the most is more on the family level, the personal level. Yeah, it gets uh, it gets really painful in a family situation when we don't agree on religion. Yeah. And then obviously, if we don't agree, one of you's messed up. Well, the assumption is always <laughs> that someone's right and someone's wrong. Yeah. And obviously, you never want it to be you that's wrong. Well, well, and usually when you think about it, it's not us. It's usually everyone else. It is always everyone else. <laughs> isn't that isn't the it? great truth? <laughs> the truth is everyone else doesn't quite get it. And then religion even makes it kind of a bigger deal because it's now you're messing with the way I see the world. Like, don't you can question me all you want, but don't question how I see the world. Yeah. And we're talking about what we feel are eternal consequences that is as big as it gets. Yeah. So we experience a lot of fear oh, yeah. around religion. And in families, it gets, I guess, exacerbated. It's made worse because if you're not going to follow my value system, then why would I want to be with you? Well, especially, or especially if you think my value system is wrong, yeah. you're basically criticizing who I am. And then that gets really personal. Mm. Do you see this a lot in your coaching with your couples you're working with, the people oh, you work with? Not only that, but but I'm thinking it was back in April or May I published an article on KSL.com yeah. about this. When your child rejects your religion, and boy, we have never been hit with so really? many comments on the boards and response to that. There were so many families that are experiencing this. What what were some of the comments? What were they saying? Well, they're that. This is breaking up families. I mean, this is making so they can't hardly be together because that difference causes such a wedge. Interesting. And I don't think it needs to no. be that way, but we need to maybe understand why we both have such strong feelings about yeah. it. And I guess that's the hard part is maybe the minute they're rejecting it, we don't even try to understand why. We just start defending. Is that what we're doing? I mean, why would that – it seems like, hey, this is a great moment like you found out. You throw that topic out there. Everyone starts biting on it. We know it's a big topic now, yeah. but it seems like a, a moment of really good clarity. We can get some clarity about what our children believe, but instead we start. Well, this is the problem. The way we respond to everything, we're either responding from a place of love or a place of fear. Mm. Now, most of the time, unfortunately, we're responding from fear. And I always teach my clients there's two main core fears 
that all of us battle on a daily basis. Yeah. And they're a fear of failure and a fear of loss. And when we look at the idea of what, my child choosing a different religion, yeah. I experience both of those in a really deep way. Oh, yeah. Either I'm going to lose my it, child. Yeah, or you've lost them. Yeah, and it's my fault at some level, so I failed. Interesting. So we're talking about this issue hits our most core fear. Chances are pretty good when you get triggered with this, yeah. you're going to respond from fear, not love. Isn't and that's that interesting? the problem. It's the problem, and it's the antithesis. It's the opposite of the religions. Oh, yeah. Everything our religion teaches is, is compassion love, and understanding. Right. Yeah, love, not fear. Isn't that it's, it? Really, is then the having a child reject your religion, having a spouse reject your religion? It is the ultimate test of faith. It's ultimate I mean, test it's of right your love too. Yeah, can you set your fear aside and show up for that person? Oh, that's big. That's big. It's hard to do when your deepest core fears just got triggered. Wow. See, and who to thunk it? Who to thunk that in our cute little family units? Such a core fear would would set you off so far to the point that you might even reject. Well, yeah, because fear makes you selfish. When you're experiencing a fear of loss or a fear of failure, your focus is on you yeah. and what you need to quiet that fear and make you feel better. So you can't show up. You literally cannot be loving towards that person if you're experiencing those fears. Oh, yeah. So how do you get out? Because you got to. Well, we, yeah. In fact, we're going to have to solve this. I mean, I know everyone in the world deals with this, but it's pretty much up to you, Kimberly, to fix it. Okay. So don't, <laughs> don't mess this up. This has this has gone on for eons. I mean, you think about it from apparently the days of Adam and Eve. From those days, this battle with family and religion and faith and the fears have apparently been in play, even to the point that we've gone to war, we've gone to battles with our own cultures, with countries. I mean, it's probably the same thing on a cultural level, on a country level. As I'm afraid. what's happening yeah. in your family. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, and the other tendency of human nature we all battle is we see ourselves as different from everyone else. Yeah. And what's inherent in that is that we see them as good guys or bad guys, better than us or worse yeah. than us. And, we, and it's just a human nature tendency that anyone who's different – we're going to kind of see them as the bad, wrong ones. Yeah, we have to. And we have fear towards that. Because, well, they're dangerous. Yeah, because they don't agree with us. Yeah. So they have to be the ones that are wrong and bad. And and if this happens in your family and this family member can feel that you actually see them as wrong or bad on yeah. any level, boy, the defenses are going to go up and we're going to have big problems. Isn't that – and it's so subtle. And even if that's not your intent – but they can – if I sense fear in you – Even I may on not, a subconscious yeah, level. Probably even most of the time on a on subconscious, a subconscious le- level. Then something inside of me is like something's not right with her. She is – you better start watching out for her. Look out. Maybe move toward the door. Yeah. You will see her as a threat yeah. because remember, fear makes you focused on you. And all people feel when you're subconsciously in a place mm-hmm. of fear is that they're not safe with you. Yeah. So the walls go up, and we've already now we've got two people with walls up and defenses right there. Oh yeah, and no love in sight. Where did the love go? And this is your own child, or this is your own spouse. This is someone you inherently care for, but then your fear of losing them, your fear of having blown it with them, yeah, catches up with you. 
So, are we going to have time today? Can we talk about how to get past that fear? We are. In fact, do you want to go now? We have a lot of time okay. to talk about it. We've got some powerful things we could teach that's, everyone today. Because that's, that's, I guess, too, is this, is it the same thing that whether you're my child or not, if I'm just the guy in the neighborhood and you keep trying to get me to go to your church, what's what happens to me? I mean, am I afraid of like these people showing up at my door? Am I afraid? Is that the same thing going on that we have in our families? Well, it is because really what they're getting from you showing up to invite them to the ward activity is yeah. that you're trying to tell them what they believe is wrong and they really need to join yours yeah. to be right. right. And that is selfish yeah. and offensive. Well, and they might even be just showing up just to make sure you're invited. Well, they yeah, not even and it really like is trying coming from you. love, yeah. but there's kind of this oh, feeling that that's yeah. what's behind it, partly because we're a proselyting church. Well, yeah, and that's, I guess, in every religion. I mean, I've knocked doors for the LDS faith and been dramatically rejected by probably every faith. <laughs> and um, And then, interestingly, I've had people knock my door but I still had this aversion. And you, your walls go up. My walls go up. And I'm sitting there thinking, why are my walls going up? They're just trying to spread a message. About, it doesn't mean I have to go with it. It doesn't mean I have to hate them or run from them or hide and batten down the hatches. But there's this inherent – it's almost just – it's more of a reaction, isn't it? It's, it's a reaction. Subconscious. To the, it's a subconscious reaction to the fear. Yep. And and we, they feel like a threat to us yeah. because they have an agenda that's about what they believe. And so this isn't really feeling like it's going to honor where I am. Right. Because that's not their agenda for being there is no. to honor where I am. No. It's interesting. And and some of that might be what if they were coming with the mentality to honor where you are? What if they were just coming to you to not inherently convert you, just understand where you are? Would we still interpret it as a threat? Well, I have non-member friends in the neighborhood that have invited us over, and obviously, I know there's no agenda. They're not. They're of a different faith, right? But I don't have a moment's worry that they're yeah. trying to convert me. But we do that. Yeah, we give it, them that experience. Well, I guess we it depends to too. It, what you, that's the that's one of the things I guess you can check is if your motive is to change someone, they're going to know it. <laughs> Yeah, you subconsciously can't hide it. or consciously, they will feel it. they're going to feel that. You, and if you're trying to change somebody, even if it's out of good intent, because you think God needs them changed. Okay, no. That, how about even a better intent yeah. that you actually do love and care about yeah. them, and you want the best for them, right? But still, in inherently wanting to change them at all, you're rejecting who they are now. Yeah, and that's the problem. So the way to understand somebody is to first. Just accept them as they are. A hundred percent absolute acceptance of who you are right now. And the interesting thing is no one is ever even open to consider changing Mm -mm. until they feel completely validated for who they are right now. That's uh, one of the things I learned about that. So we have this fight or flight brain, right? The amygdala that is so fight or flight. You won't – you can't get into their higher brain where you're going to influence them on different levels until you can turn off that alarm system. But that alarm system you don't control very well. So – but it's incredibly attuned in tune and it's attuned to what my motives are 
subconsciously. It reads I think me it very feels well. The energy almost. Yeah. Don't you think? Totally. Oh yeah. So I can feel if your energy is just coming to love me, or if your energy is coming to change me, or Absolutely. or not accept me. And then that alarm goes off, and it'll go off every single time. So if we want to change the world. We really do have to figure out how to just love and accept. Yeah, we have to work on us, which is the only thing we have control over, and getting truly in a place of love where you have no agenda to change. That's huge. And and with your child, this is going to take a little work to get you Oh, yeah. Well, because you have a vested interest. Hello, you carried that little rat for nine months. That kid owes you. Well, you Fidelity. care about them more than anyone <laughs> no, on the exactly. planet. So yeah. it's going to be hard to take your agenda out and just love. But we, so but we can do it. Okay, that is it. We are going to take a break. We're going to come back with Kimberly Giles. And again, you can find Kimberly, Kimberly at ClarityPointCoaching.com. She is a guru, an advice guru. And uh, more importantly, she just gets it. She gets the heart of our, our uh, lessons here. How to... Uh, deal with our religious differences. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you some tools. Kimberly's going to teach us what we should do to actually show more love, to to soothe and love and to care for each other. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. What do snail teeth have in common with solar cells? I didn't even know snails had teeth. This is Innovation Now bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Yes, snails have teeth. They use them to scrape algae off of rocks. To get your daily dinner from scraping rocks with your teeth, you have to have some pretty tough teeth. And the snail in question does. It's an undersea variety of chitin. Their mouth is constantly growing new teeth to replace the ones being ground down. But these teeth are unique. They grow an extremely tough mineral core from crystals of magnetite. It's a kind of iron oxide that's also magnetic, and they do this in a room temperature environment. That's pretty cool because usually you need high temperature furnaces and such to grow that kind of crystal. That's where solar cells and batteries come in. Both of them can be improved by using nanoscale crystals like those in the snail's magnetite teeth. University of California Riverside scientist David Casalis has been studying the chitons to learn how we can scale up the same organic process the snail uses, called biomineralization. The knowledge gained might also lead to understanding how to make human teeth tougher and more decay-resistant. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. I love the feeling that I get when I come here. It's wonderful from start to finish. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. I take away a stronger testimony, a greater desire to live it. BYU Education Week thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on global issues. Yet, uh, as, as is the case, most of our global issues become very, very personal. Today we're talking about religion and how to learn to um, truly appreciate the differences, religious differences. Also, maybe more importantly, how to approach other people 
with our, uh, not even just our religion, but just how to love other people that are different from us. And we've got Kim Giles joining us. She's the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a life coach named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America in 2010. She also is, um, is a prolific writer and has published more than 240 articles in newspapers and magazines. You can find her at claritypointcoaching.com. Kim, and you're teaching us, Kimberly, how to do this, right? So you're basically saying if we're going to access somebody and, and even just to love them and to care for them and be a neighbor to them, we can't go in with the goal of changing, changing them. them. The goal should be then accepting and loving them. Absolutely. Where they are. For who they are right now. Yeah. They have to feel that from us and it has to be real. Yeah. Because you can't you, – uh, you cannot not communicate. So if I'm coming at you with this – even as a mom or a dad trying to get you to toe the line – do you want to go to heaven with us or do you want to go to hell with everyone else, which is the basic dichotomy? Um, if my kid, that very thought says, you already know, you already think where I'm going. You already, you think I'm not going to heaven yeah, based on this. Yeah, I've actually had someone tell me that their grandparents said to them, I'm just so sad that you're not going to be in heaven with the rest of us. Uh, and they're, Are you kidding me? That judgment. Oh, my heavens. Ow. Yeah. It's so, and we're so entrenched, and we believe so much that sometimes we don't notice our beliefs are that offensive. Like, well, and then we're missing the whole point yeah, of our religion, yeah, which is actually exactly. love and forgiveness mm-hmm. and acceptance. Well, but getting to heaven, and you're not going to be there, so we'll send you a package. <laughs> Isn't that messed up? It's really messed so up. So, how do we start to get? How do we start to love and and maybe turn off the fear? So, if we have fear, we don't have love, how do we then convert our fears, our worries about choices people might be making Mm -hmm. that are frustrating us? How do we convert that to love? Okay. So you got to understand what the opposite of fear is. The opposites of fear are trust and love. And if you in any moment consciously make the choice to be in a place of trust and love, your fear's gone. It can't exist. Right. It's like light and dark that can't exist at the same time right. in the same place. So what what can you trust in that will take that fear of failure and that fear of loss mm-hmm. off the table for you? Sounds like God. For most people, it really is. <laughs> the religion, and the source of our religions. Our religions. So how about if we trusted that we can't fail here. Life is a classroom. It's a chance to learn and grow. Yeah. It's not a test. It's a race. It's it's <laughs> a process of learning and growing, yeah, though. It is. And and you can't fail. You're still in class. You still have a lot to learn. So calm down on this I'm not good enough thing. Yeah. And let yourself be a student in the classroom of life who's always good enough in your process of growing. You're right on track. Yeah. So that we can kind of let go of that fear that I'm not enough. And and yes, you were not a perfect parent. Right. But there is no such thing. No. You were the perfect parent for your child for some reason. Yeah. And you tried everything you know. And even when you didn't, you're still learning and growing. And so we'll try it this week. I mean, it's it's a process. It's not it it's not just an event. And and personally, my religion tells me that because of a savior, I I'm I'm going to be okay. My yeah. even if I make mistakes, I can be forgiven and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. 
So if we really trust that, we should be able to take that fear of not being good enough off the table. So maybe this whole if I'm turning if I'm turning it into anger, hatred, enmity, fighting, anger, all this stuff, then I'm probably not trusting or loving. You're not at I'm all fearing. either. You're I'm, fearing. It's a fear based. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling the negative ramifications, you're probably in the fear side. Absolutely. If you're experiencing side. anything negative, you're in fear. When, yeah. you, when you're in trust with God about your value and your life, you're going to feel peaceful. Totally. And it's only in that place when you feel peaceful and safe that you're even capable of love, which is really about giving to this other person and making this about validating, honoring, and respecting them. It's not about your agenda or what you right. want. It's, right. It's about giving not getting. That's huge. Um, I always call that, it's about the means, not the end. So, um, like, if I just love them, I, they, what, what if they don't go to church? See, going to church is an end. Or getting them to change, or getting them to stop doing something that you think is, a, is wrong. or another. Those are all ends. My goal should just be, all I can do is love you and trust that it will work out. That's right. And that's more of the means to the end. If, if my end is just loving, that's all I can do. It's all you really have control over. Right. The rest is in their court. That's maybe why we get so afraid because we're trying to control something like an that's end out of our that we can't control. No, and that's the part you have to trust in too. Uh, your, your child, your neighbor, they're on their own perfect journey. Yeah. And they've got to figure things out for oh, themselves. Oh, but they're messed you up, Kimberly. Do it for them. I know. It's true though, isn't it? But, yeah. but we judge it. It's like we're so quick to judge it. Like, yeah, well, their journey is going to land them in jail. Well, it might, but totally. jail might be their perfect journey. Yeah. That oh, might don't be say just that. the lesson they need. No, that's, it's so true. I think you're right. So we got to love them and give them permission to be in process and wherever they are. Yeah. It's really unconditional love, and we oh. have to mean it. See, but that, you, I can just almost hear people right now just slamming on their brakes in their car. It's not, it's not, okay, love's great. Love's great. And then you'll hear the but. Uh, actions. We got, they got to, they got to change their actions because there's consequences. These are all these little words we hear. Now, and boundaries. I, <laughs> and there's laws and rules. There are. And but look at all these words we use, but it's still about love, right? It is. I mean, yes, they're they're going to make bad choices at some level and they're going to they're going to suffer at some level. But that's their choice. Yeah. We, we can't make those for them. Our only job is to be in control of ourselves and what we're bringing to every relationship. And if it's not love, it's fear. And fear is not going to create anything good. Yeah. It also sounds like this isn't something you just do once and you're like, OK. I got the I love it. now. It almost seems like, okay, I can have love for you in this moment. And then two hours later, I may be terrified for you again. <laughs> so I go back to fear. So it's almost like as parents, we might need to keep cycling and just keep exercising that love and trust. Well, I literally teach my clients on an almost every moment basis. You have to choose your attitude. Mm-hmm. And if you choose trust and love, you will be there. If you don't make a conscious choice – your subconscious mind's going to choose for you, and you're going to probably yeah. be in fear. It seems like that's your, that's the natural default of your subconscious it would is, be, to fear. be in fear. So it, that was for self preservation. 
Now you're not going to die. It's, I'm going to keep you totally worried all the time. All the time. And you won't ever die. Is but what you it will have terrible relationships right. and you will That's be miserable right. yeah. your entire life. So we really have to start owning the power to take control of our own mind and mm-hmm. our own thoughts and our, our behavior. And that starts with making a choice to be in trust right now and love in every moment. And if someone offends us, so let's just say it's not me trying to offend them or correct them. Let's just say they're pushing it on me. They keep bringing up their faith with me. They keep trying to change me. How, how do I do the same thing with them? How do I take it back to trust and love if I already love them? I just wish they'd quit trying to change me. Okay, this is the thing. You've got to recognize that their bad behavior is motivated by their fears about themselves. Yeah. It's not about you. So even when they attack you, it's not it's about, not about, about you me. at all. It is about their fear. Mm-hmm. And, and usually when we're pushing our ideas on someone else, it's because we're so afraid of being wrong right. that we need to do that to feel better. So yeah. we're, we're pushing it on people and even attacking them to quiet our own fear. And then I react to yours and you react to mine and we're both justified, but we're both – neither of us are going to heaven. Yeah, well, <laughs> now our we're behavior going to be other. really bad. Isn't that interesting? So That's whenever it. someone is pushing stuff on you, you've got to recognize first that it's not personal. Yeah. Don't let it be about you. It really has nothing to do with you. All bad behavior is about their fear and it's not about you. And that's powerful too because um, – so if I can recognize that my concerns are about my fear, not love, if I see you coming at me offensively, I could just recognize that's about your fear, not love. It's just default. It'll help me default. So if I see fear, I go to love. Well, I don't know who said this. I picked it up somewhere. I'm yeah. not going to take credit for it. But that all behavior is either fear-motivated or it's a request for love. Oh, interesting. No, does that make sense? It's either loving or it's a request for love. So if they're attacking you, it's a request for love. That's what it really is. Instead of bringing me – They're afraid. And and if you can not take that stuff personally and set it aside and give love in that moment to someone who's attacking you, boy, you've made it. That's mature behavior. That's where we want to be. That's actually a great way. So any um, any affront – any attack, any judgment, any slur, anything that people do. It's a request for love. It's a request for love, even if it's a subconscious request, even if oh, they're yeah. not overtly it, knowing No, it. it's yeah. a subconscious request every time. Well, and but that is what they need. They need some validation. Well, isn't that true religion? I mean, that seems like true religion is great. Let me just love you. That's what a Mother Teresa and a Gandhi yeah, and, uh, all, said. all these people do is they just, okay. I Let's won't love everyone. Love it. Love it too. Talking with Kimberly Giles, uh, top advice gurus, one of the top advice gurus in the country. You got to go check out our website, claritypointcoaching.com. We're going to come back and uh, get into this even deeper. Some more tools to let go of the fear, to turn it into love. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. 
President Obama has chosen Arizona for the next stop on his middle class speech tour. The White House says the president will visit Phoenix next Tuesday to lay out ideas for helping homeowners and others who want to own a home. Last week, the president began the series of speeches outlining his ideas for how to help grow the middle class and boost the economy. And Facebook Incorporated shares increased 1.2 percent in morning trading today. That is the most the shares have been worth since the initial public offering. The stock is up by more than 50 percent since just last week. Facebook is currently number two in mobile ads, still well behind Google, but moving up. Forecasters say that Hurricane Gill has formed in the Pacific off the southern tip of California. The National Hurricane Center says Gill has a maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour, and it's centered almost 1,000 miles southwest of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. Health officials think in I- health officials in Iowa think that they know the culprit behind an outbreak of intestinal disease that sickened 372 people nationwide. The Iowa Department of Inspections announced yesterday it believed the outbreak of Cyclospora was linked to a prepackaged salad mix. They can't be 100% certain because no bags of the offending salad mix are available for testing anymore. However, 80% of the people who got sick reported eating the mix. In world news, Syria's embattled president already has a face page, Twitter account, and YouTube channel. And now Bashar Assad is turning to the popular photo sharing service Instagram in his latest attempt to improve his image. More than 100,000 people have been killed since the uprising against Assad began. This week's launch of the presidency's Instagram page is his latest attempt at boosting his image. Egyptian prosecutors have sent the top three leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood to trial for allegedly inciting the killing of protesters last month. The decision by Cairo officials is the latest move in a crackdown by authorities on the Islamist group following the July 3rd deposition of Mohamed Morsi. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On today's show, we have been talking about religion. It doesn't need to divide us. There's power in being able to uh, unify behind other people's faiths. At the beginning of the show, I basically shared my love of um, Pope Francis. I love that man. I really, and again, I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Mormon, and I've been a Mormon missionary, and I... You know, love the man. He teaches so many good things. Gandhi's one of my favorite humans. Mother Teresa, I just love. Don't worship these people, but I love them, and there's so much good that I can that I feel from them. And so, on the show today, we're trying to figure out how do we not let these 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 fears of religion when somebody is trying to change us, convert us, or how do we let it or do it so if our child's you know straying from our belief system. What are some ways to handle that? We've asked Kimberly Giles to be with us. She is the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's an incredible life coach and author and speaker. By the way, one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country. Hello. That doesn't come easily. Good Morning America uh, basically uh, gave her the crown in that one in 2010. And uh, even I think more importantly that I think is super powerful 240 articles published in newspapers and magazines. And I think if you just did a little search for Kimberly Giles, G-I-L-E-S, in Google, 
you'd probably find a lot of those articles. A lot of them are on ksl.com or just go to our website, claritypointcoaching.com. Kimberly, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. It's so fun. I I love this topic. Me too. Because, again, why are we so divided by something that is really so inherently good? And there's so much beauty in all of these religions. I've had a lot of chances to travel around the world and visit a lot of cathedrals and temples. and, and, And one of my favorite experiences was in China, watching a woman pray in this Buddhist temple. Oh. And I just felt so sure that God, he was there. Yeah. He was answering her prayers. It was an amazing experience. Isn't it beautiful? My, same thing with my sister. Go. My sister uh, is, she's a, a spiritual person, doesn't believe in any religion, but they showed pictures from a trip to Thailand in a Thai temple where one of the monks were washing them and blessing them. Yeah. And it was the need it was it was like spiritual for me to see my sister her husband their three kids who really don't they're not like churchgoers a little bit of radical little rebellious uh, according to the old standards that some of us have and honestly it was beautiful and i don't believe that same way but there's an inherently good spiritual belief about just humbling and worshiping. There is. And I think a lot of people today who aren't religious are still very deeply spiritual. Absolutely. And and you mentioned earlier people who are atheists. I've got some atheist friends that are some of the most moral, yeah. oh, amazing people yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. And yeah, you but they're find not that going to heaven. everywhere. That's, what that, that's the old <laughs> statement that people, but the reality is if you only frame everything with a judgment, it's the judgment's coming from fear. The judgment's coming probably from your lack of certainty that seems certain. But do you really can you really we tolerate don't. me and love me my way? Even again, it may not jive with your value system, but that would be my problem, not your problem. Right. Your problem is just to love me. Absolutely. Which is the hard one. But we're capable of it. Yeah, totally. But we have to consciously want to be there and choose mm-hmm. to be there. How do we Okay, how do we integrate this? How do we take these world religions as just a bunch of people, and how do we actually – how does a Mormon learn to tolerate and understand an evangelical – and not tolerate, again, I like the word celebrate – and care and appreciate? And how, does, how do the Muslims and the Hindus – how do we tie it all together? Okay, first of all, we need to focus more on what we have in common because the things we have in common are huge and amazing. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to coach people from almost every major religion on the planet. Yeah. And one of the interesting things I'm always asking my clients is, what do you think the purpose and point of life is? And Einstein, who was an atheist, he defined religion as simply the answer to that question. Why are we here? What's the meaning and purpose of life? And everybody looks for an answer to that. And so I discovered something interesting, asking that question to people from all these religions. You know, there's two things every single one of them had in common, including me. So so the the thing that they all define their life, the why they're alive, alive and living, why we're here, what are the two things? Learning and loving. Mm. And and there seems to be something hardwired in every one of us that knows we're here. And in this process of being here, we are supposed to grow and learn and become. Yeah. 
and and try to improve ourselves throughout our journey here. Yeah, it's in us to know that, and then there's something hardwired that we're here to make a difference in the lives of other people along our way. Did the atheists think the same thing? Absolutely. Well, how could you not? From a baby, you're learning. From there's this inherent insatiable it's need to who, learn. It's in us. And then all you need is one funeral of a loved one to know that love matters, or to see your baby have a victory or to see your child learn to ride a bike yep. and to see him skin their knee and have those fear. I mean, two things. how could that not be obvious? That's every faith. Every faith. And, and I really believe that the, there has to be truth there oh, yeah. for all of us oh, if we all universal. feel it. Yeah. So you know how much time we could spend focused on those things that yeah. we have in common? Yeah. Instead of nitpicking over all the little differences, let's focus there. Well, imagine that instead of arguing over where the holy spot and holy places of the world are, we just said, so tell me more about how you believe in loving and learning. Absolutely. What a dialogue. We could have amazing conversations. And we'd pro- I always believe we have 90% agreement anyway. Yeah. On most things. We so do. most time I see couples or people arguing. If we sit down and actually piece it out piece by piece and we clarify, so do you believe in that? Do you believe in what she just said? Oh, yeah, yeah. 90% of the time we agree. It's those little 10% positions that we hang on to and we fight to the death out of fear. Out of fear. And mostly because we're still trying to decide who the good guys and bad guys are. Yeah. We're still dividing ourselves. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem with the religions of the world. It's It's another way – we divide ourselves from other people, and yeah. we spend so much time seeing, well, I'm Republican versus Democrat. Right. We get down to Mayo people, Miracle yeah. Whip people, Coke people, Pepsi people. <laughs> That's right. We're constantly dividing. Totally. And in reality, we're all the same. Yep. And we have the same value. And that's, I think, the key thing we all have to remember is that doesn't matter which religion you belong to, each human being has the same value to God. Right. And it doesn't matter your beliefs. You have the same value. So if you take that approach, we all have the same value, um, then I don't need to change you. I just can love you because you're valuable. Right. I'm not, so I'm looking, at your, <laughs> I'm looking at not your deficit, but you, I'm not like thinking you could be more valuable. I'm thinking you're just inherently valuable. So I'm going to love you just because you're inherently valuable. I had a client the other day who actually gave me an analogy about this that was so beautiful that every one of us is a child of God. We're a one of a kind, irreplaceable, unique, divine soul. And that makes you basically an irreplaceable diamond of great value. And that diamond has the same value no matter the setting. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where you're found and what religion you belong. That value is the same no matter where you oh, put it. Oh, I love it. that. No, it's true. If you can trust that, you could see that value in every person, then those other little differences don't really matter so much. Oh, but we got so – we made all our money on the on the setting of the diamond. <laughs> all of our energies in the setting, not the diamond, but that's powerful. But don't you think totally. all, all the great prophets and leaders of every religion have understood yeah. that every soul has the same value and oh, they've yeah. tried to teach us that. But that fear side just wants to keep seeing ourselves as different. You know, it almost would take a world global catastrophe. It's interesting because you hear about catastrophes in areas that actually end up being this unifying. Yeah, bring everyone together. Because it does get down to two things. Are we learning and still loving each other? What did you learn from this catastrophe? What are you loving? 
um, and everyone has value. Those those truths, those universal truths, come out in a catastrophe. A global catastrophe would would get us to that point. Or I hope it doesn't take. I know that that's the funny for thing. This to happen, or but. just if we could today go home from the show and be thinking, how can I, how can I bring this to my home? Yeah. So I I used a word in our last segment that people need to be validated. They need some validation. And a lot of people don't define that word correctly. We think that means you have to agree with me. No. And it doesn't. It's about honoring, respecting, and valuing this person for the irreplaceable diamond that they are. They're valid, regardless. Regardless of the rest. Mm -hmm. And and that's what every human soul wants most from especially the people around you right. is I want to be valued for who I am. I want to be honored and respected for my right to have my views and that my views don't take away from my value. Right. No, but Kimberly, they have tattoos. <laughs> and they pierce their body. So then so we reject them. That, I, by the way. They have to be the bad guy. Let me give you an example. Um, so on BYU television – we there is a wonderful uh show um called uh history uh writing history uh, uh now i can't remember what it's called but um it's got this big burly man uh, named stan who is a past football player and um big burly man big beard checkered shirts american rides the name of the show <laughs> <laughs> Go check it out on BYU TV. And the Stan um, is honestly, he's a teddy bear. And he's so passionate and loves so much kids and American history that he'll cry. This huge lineman football player will cry when he talks about it. So the show's out. It's really popular on BYU. This wonderful guy's riding a Harley with oh, his, with his like denims. And... Um, but we get viewer mail here and there from people saying, oh, really? That's who's representing BYU. The guy on the Harley with the beard. The guy on the really? Harley Really? The they judge And I sit quickly. there and I say, they don't even know this man. And if they could yeah. sit – and I literally – like again, I love this Stan guy. His heart is so huge. He'll hug you. He's a great man. We've had him in the studio. And um, nobody knows him. But they've instantly judged him. They've instantly judged him because of his beard and a Harley. Or we instantly judge somebody because they have tattoos. Well, haven't you found when you really get out and get to know people that some of the most loving Christ-like souls that I've met on this planet, oh yeah, from first appearance, y- oh, you might judge them totally. and not know that. Right. But don't you think you'd reject Christ too? I mean, Christ would he be was. that person. He would be. Buddha. I mean, these people are – those are people that we may not hang with because they wouldn't come to our church barbecue. And Isn't yet, that a shame? Because we'd be missing miss knowing some of the most yeah. amazing people on the That's planet. Huge. Tell me your idea of uh, the movie Life of Pi. Well, I was asking you on the break if you'd seen that movie because yeah. it's really about religion. And r- the book is just fantastic. If you ever I, have a chance to I, read the I've book. I've got to start reading books again. But, but it starts out this little boy in India who's Hindu. And they go on a vacation and he has a chance to visit a Christian church and he falls in love with the story of love about mm. Christ. And and it's so cute because he runs home and prays to his Hindu god, thank you for introducing me to Jesus. Oh, how great is that? But then he meets the Muslim 
uh, rabbi in that area. I don't know if they're a priest yeah. or a rabbi. E- Muslim, imam, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, he falls in love with that religion, too. And so here he is sneaking around, <laughs> going to all three, and his parents find out, and they try to tell him. Oh, you, no. You Choose one. Yeah. You can't be all three. And he's, why? I yeah. mean, there's beauty in all oh, of them. Absolutely. Why can't I be all three? The whole movie is about accepting that each of us have to find the story that resonates as truth for us, that helps us be loving and good and and find God. And yeah. there is such beauty in all yeah. those stories. If we could just look for the beauty and not focus on those differences that make us afraid. That's the that darn ends versus means. If I could just the, – the faith and hope of a little boy who can see the beauty in it all and then we force him to have one. To, to have to one. choose and divide. Uh-huh. I mean it seems like even if you're – on your journey, your heart will tell you what you need to do next. Just – but get there. Don't force it. Just allow your heart to get you there. And then if you feel like you need to – if you want to follow a, a certain religious path, you can follow it and your heart will lead you there versus my coercion, my manipulation, my – you're not going to Pushing my ideas, telling you you're right. wrong. Yeah. What, else, what else should we know? we got about two minutes. Kimberly, what, what else is core to being able to kind of value these differences? Well, let's see. To value the differences – you know, I think a lot of times it's because we don't know a lot about them yeah. that we have fear towards right. them. I think it's really good for all of us to learn more about different religions. And I've seen in my community a little bit of fear about doing that, that yeah. if I if I teach my children about these different religions, maybe they'll choose a different one. What if one. they stray? Right. And, and to be honest, on some Sundays, I have taken my children and visited – the Baptist Church, yeah. or, or some different ones, because I I actually want them to have some understanding about all religions, so that they can focus on the love and beauty in yeah. everyone they meet. It seems like the understanding, though, is what would create. Sometimes, if you don't ha- have the love first, a better understanding can facilitate the love, and Absolutely. sometimes having the love could facilitate better understanding. So, if if you're lacking the inherent love for another faith, study it. Or all you need to do is meet someone. Yeah, get to know someone, and then it becomes who they are, yeah. and it, you'll see the love. You know, I actually took my kids once to visit a, a church where they actually were welcoming prostitutes and drug yeah. addicts and people who I, I don't know if would have felt comfortable at my church. Right. And, and I sat in that service, and I remember thinking, if Christ came by today, this is where he'd be. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, think of would your own faith accept would, would we would they accept your your God today? And and a lot of our faiths are so kind of not about it's not intended to be this way, but we've made them as men so not loving that maybe yeah, a little too much judgment, yeah. not enough love. Huh? Kimberly Giles, you're great, good stuff, good spirit. Thanks. We're going to take a break. Uh, again, you need to go check out Kimberly at her uh, website, claritypointcoaching.com. Claritypointcoaching.com and, uh, and get some more ideas from her. We're going to take a break. Come back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Helping drone aircraft fit into the same airspace as a piloted craft, even when your drone pilot is in another state. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. There is another side to drone aircraft, a vitally useful civilian side. They can safely observe and scout for forest fires or shadow a large storm, restore wireless communications over a disaster area, catch polluters and poachers, even help farmers monitor crops and track cattle. As the use of drones for peaceful purposes increases, there comes a need to make them safer to fly in and around local civil and commercial aircraft, to behave and operate like any other manned airplane. But how do you do that when the operator could be far away, even hundreds of miles? Just talking to a local air traffic controller or even another pilot flying nearby becomes a complex problem. But NASA's Glenn Research Center has been working on a prototype system for relaying that air-to-air -air radio traffic. In participation with a civilian avionics manufacturer, the NASA Glenn team plans to set up experimental radio towers on a newly licensed frequency, just for drone pilots. A manned jet will play the role of test drone. These highly secure and jam-proof relays might let drone drivers communicate safely with locals, even if they're states away. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Want more BYU Radio? Then check out our YouTube channel where we post segments from your favorite shows. And if you have a specific episode you'd like to listen to again, or even share with a friend, then let us know on our Facebook or Twitter pages and we can add the episodes you want to hear. Check out BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about uh, religious differences and, and how to bring a little bit more love into your lives and maybe a little less fear. That's the goal of today's program. Before we go and, and kind of wrap up the show with Kimberly Giles, we're going to, take, um, we're going to go to uh, Rob Sanders, who's put together a little uh, review of the news headlines about religion. Churches in the news. A church in Durham, North Carolina is feeding 10,000 people. 10,000 individually wrapped meals for those in need in developing countries. 75 people helping out with that took them how long? Less than a day. That comes out to about 130 meals per person. Now I feel bad because after work, you know, I feel too lazy to fix one meal. Lorraine, Ohio. That's where churchgoers showed up to find the chapel a little too hot inside. Somebody walked off with their $30,000 industrial-sized air conditioner. Now, to be fair, the church is called Pass It On Ministries, so, you know, maybe the burglars got confused? I guess if those burglars keep stealing, they'll be glad they have an industrial-sized air conditioner if they, you know, wind up where they would wind up if they keep stealing. Essex, England, a church there facing a real threat from woodpeckers. Yeah, the little birds are getting up, tearing the roof apart. And the church wouldn't have found out if it hadn't been for a drone. Nothing military, but it was an amateur photographer who flew his quadcopter to take photos of the church. And the photos showed the damage to the roof. He emailed the pictures to the church leaders, who were glad to get the photos, and then not glad to find out it would cost $150,000 to fix their church. If you have a hard time seeing cute little birds as a serious threat to a church, here's one that is. 
South Portland, Maine. A church that's more than 200 years old that used to have 200 churchgoers each Sunday is now down to about 20 congregants. And because the church is so old, it's getting very expensive to fix. But with a building that old and historic, it's not like you can just board it up and walk away. So while Maine has a building but no church to fill it, a Baptist church in New York City has a church but no building to go into after they've gotten kicked out of the restaurant they were having meetings in. The story here focuses on why they got kicked out, but the real story is a church that meets in a restaurant? What a great idea! Psst, amen. I think I found a way for you to fix your membership problem. And speaking of churches that don't really look like churches, a pastor in Brunswick, Georgia, runs a church barbershop. It's open 24 hours a day. He says he just wants to get ex-cons back on track by giving them a job. And a church in Woodland Park, Kansas, meets every Sunday morning at a skate park. A Lexington Skate Church, not your typical location for a Sunday meeting. But hey, it gets people back on their feet. Get it? Skate park? Feet? And finally, do dogs go to heaven or not? Well, I guess it depends if you're Catholic or Presbyterian. The Our Lady of Martyrs Church posted a sign that simply read, All dogs go to heaven. Well, across the street, the Beulah Cumberland Presbyterian Church posted a sign that says, Only humans go to heaven. Read the Bible. So the Catholic Church responded, God loves all creations, dogs included. Beulah responds, Dogs don't have souls, and this is not open for debate. The Catholic Church replied, Fine, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. Presbyterians, Converting to Catholicism does not automatically grant your dog a soul. Catholics, free dog souls with conversion. The Presbyterians, they posted, dogs are animals. Also, there are no rocks in heaven. And the Our Lady of Martyrs Catholic Church won the argument when they posted on their sign, all rocks go to heaven. Rock on. Well done, Robbie. Again, isn't it interesting? So many headlines, uh, so many churches. It's also interesting how many of the stories are about buildings and all of these things when it comes down to a lot of the the faith is really in the heart, but then can be, you know, affected in the building. We're going to go rebuild the building. We're going to make sandwiches for people, taking something intangible like love and making it tangible like a sandwich to send to another country. We're back with Kimberly Giles. Again, you got to check out her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Kimberly, as we wrap this up, it's easy to be offended. It is, about religion especially. Kids leaving our religions, not following the line, or from people that are trying to judge us for our views. How do we not take offense? What are just some quick tips? Okay, we've got to recognize fear, first of all. So if your children choose another religion, don't blame yourself. Don't get caught up in fear that this was about your personal failure. It's not about you, yeah. This is their journey. You got to honor and love them and give them the right to be there and not make it about you or they'll mm-hmm. really resent that. Um, and and make sure you never say anything negative about their choices. Right. Honor honor and respect whatever they it's choose. It's a choice. It yeah. is. And and it's about their value as a person. That's why you're going to honor and respect it no matter what. Um, and then if you know if if people are looking down on you because of your choices yeah. of religion, Remember that their problem with your choice is about their fear, about themselves, yeah. too. And I love that idea. It's a petition that they, they just need love. 
They do. They really need love and validation back. But, but you know, they get really afraid of being wrong themselves, and so they need to make you wrong. Yeah. Well, just because they think you're wrong doesn't mean you are. Right. So you don't have to get offended or yeah. take it personally, right? You don't have to take them out. Yep. It's okay. They can think you're wrong yeah. and you're still okay. That's exactly Everything's right. Everything's fine. Um, understand that people get afraid that differences in religion will separate you. And so you might have to reassure them that, you know what? We can still share so much in common just because we have these few differences. Yeah. We have much more that we share that's more important. I love that. And this idea that sometimes um, we get divided in our camps and what we sometimes just need is one person from one camp to show that you can love another camp and be a role model of, so maybe what we could be are some bridge builders. So if you're an evangelical that can love a Mormon or if you're a Buddhist that can love a Hindu uh, or a, 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 a Muslim that can love a Jew or a Jew that can love a Muslim, if we had some of those examples, it'll probably ignite more examples. It would. And, and, you know, the only thing you really have control over is you. So yeah. you make the decision that you're going to live your religion and choose love in every situation over your fear. Um, that's the biggest thing yeah. each of us can do to change our world and our relationships. If totally. we could set our fear aside and choose love. Love it. Kimberly Giles. There you go. Claire Point Life Coaching. Go check her out. ClarityPointCoaching.com. And uh, again, Kimberly, thanks. Thanks for having me, Matt. Bridging really fun day. The gap. You're the best. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for listening to us again. We're here Monday through Friday. And again, it'll be replayed on the East Coast at uh, 8 a.m., I believe, tomorrow morning. So check us out then. Keep listening to us. Remember, the, li- the world is filled with good. That's what we're trying to bring to you right here from the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.